Friendless is a proud member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, which is sponsored in part by Connexus Credit Union and Direct West. Hello, sweeties. It's me, your old pal James Evermanko, back once again with a brand new episode of Friendless, the show that tries to teach you how to be a better friend by losing every friend you have. This week, I unfriend stage manager and arts administrator, Susan Miyagashima. We discuss the hidden infrastructures of arts organizations, finding connections in the oddest places, and do our absolute best to avoid talking about Tetsuro Shigematsu and then fail miserably. Let's just dive in straight away, so lean back, get comfy, and enjoy my interview with Susan Miyagashima here on Friendless. So this week on Friendless, I have a dear old friend from Vancouver who um, I actually had the pleasure of seeing surprisingly recently, at least at least digitally speaking. But, uh, you know, it wasn't the same thing as the old hit of the old in person. But uh, I have a dear friend, Susan Miyagashima, on the show. How the hell are you? Hi, pal. Yes, I'm well. I'm very excited to see you again. Right? Like in this digital world from two different cities. Right. No it was, you know, you know, so, so we saw each other last at the opening of, of a show that you worked on. Um, the one hour photo by a former guest of the show, Tetsuro Shigematsu. And um, that was a weird experience. Hey, like that was like uh, the virtual opening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was like, there was like that, like there was like this room we were in and we each had a little puck and we could literally walk around the room and the microphone would fade in and out as we were Yeah, going. that was the creepiest part. That was yeah. the creepiest part because we really felt uh, either you were having some sort of audible problem yes. or you realized, oh no, this is part of the program. They built it so it's like you're in the room. Yeah. Talk to these people and get away from them and come and, in. And, yeah. And like part of me is like, awesome like part of me feels like that's such a cool technology such a cool platform and then the other half of me is like why are you over there why you don't want to talk to me <laughs> oh, oh you have better people to talk to <laughs> when i first got into that room that uh finger quotes room <laughs> i like something was wrong and i couldn't my my mic wasn't off i couldn't turn my right. my video off i had to keep leaving and coming back right. and then yeah you sort of you sort of get stuck sometimes we don't like control your your little avatar properly like i was by the plant for a while like trying to like i kept turning around yeah. trying to get out to try to meet, go back to people yeah. so it's like it takes a little getting used to those right. types of virtual party rooms yeah and then to also be trying like you know to be to be sort of learning this platform while also trying to just be like be friendly and be social and be excited you know because the show had been so yeah. fun and like i gotta say and I, I i i feel like we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth down down the road of the of the, the episode but um right off the bat mm -hmm. um that show what it did with adapting itself to the digital media and the digital platform was beautiful and um oh, and thank you. yeah i really hope I really hope um, you had a good run everywhere you've taken it because it's it's magnificent. Uh, but but on a purely technical level, the the way that you uh, adapted it to you know the shots and the you know all those all those fun things. It was like it, it felt nice to not just have like one camera set up at a hard angle yeah. and the and the actor does his play right. You know. <laughs> yeah, we did. 
I mean, it lent itself well that it was a one-man storytelling show. Of course. So it was, we didn't have to deal with, uh, uh, what do you call it, like over the over the shoulder and different, getting all the angles for different characters. Yeah. It was just him. And then we partnered with a fantastic film production company, which is Bright Lights right. Pictures. And they were so generous in working with us because they really wanted to support theater in these in these hard times yeah. and then that so they brought a full professional crew on and we had two like big fancy movie cameras and all the wow. accoutrement that comes with it and yeah. the lighting setups and and um they're they're a company who does um a lot of uh, netflix shows they do the good doctor as well they do um so yeah they they know what they're doing pros, and yeah. yeah and they Aaron Al was the um, director from from Bright Lights who came on and just and just led us led the way led yeah. the way with uh, Alfonso Chin as our DOP. So it's sort of like we were in great hands, and yeah. so the product that came out was fantastic. Yeah. And then being able to, yeah, we've been touring. It's yeah. just the weirdest thing to say. We've been on <laughs> tour for two months in yeah. pandemic theater and um our show at persephone theater was our first stop on tour stop so that opening out is our first opening night uh since then we've been to pte in winnipeg we've been to surrey art center we um artistic fraud in newfoundland was uh, a few weeks ago and last night we opened at the Colch in vancouver and it's all been virtual and digital and we we do these after show talkbacks which is definitely part of our we really wanted to have live because it is a movie we're, we're yes. basically showing a movie <laughs> sure we really wanted to have a live talk back which is something that kind of goes along with the theme of of your podcast mm-hmm. the connection the moment being able to talk to actual humans even if it's right. in a di- digital digital way that was the most important thing for us i mean you could show a movie we could just put it up on youtube that wouldn't have mattered yeah kind of but if if we can get tetsuro to be there to answer questions to talk about what people want to talk about after the show because after every show, I don't know if you know this, when we do, he's done Empire of the Sun, right. and we've actually turned that show live across Canada. Yes. That's where we, we brought to Persephone first yeah. a few years ago. And he goes out to the lobby after every single show, yeah. no matter what, and just whoever wants to be there, whoever's hangs there hangs out, he will talk to everybody. And that's yeah. the best part about touring for him and for us at, at Vancouver Community Theater. So anyway, we needed, we definitely needed that. And so yes. we had to have a live talk back after every show yeah. and that way we are still touring we right. can't pretend we're still touring because yeah, yeah. What, what a bizarre like balancing act all these these elements are I, you know i think about it a lot where, where with a, a, multiple elements of of the sort of like performed of arts in the last year and a half i can't help but feel like so many artists are sort of getting ripped off you know i remember i remember like uh you know, all the award ceremonies, right? And all the award ceremonies. And it's like, can you imagine getting, like, nominated? You know, you're working your whole life. Imagine being somebody, like, I was thinking, you know who I was thinking of? I was thinking about Phoebe Bridgers. And I was thinking about, like, imagine spending your whole life working towards putting out one of the best albums of the year. You put out this incredible piece of music that resonates across the board. You grow this audience. You, you like, finally break through that, like, next tier. And then, and then you get a digital yeah and it's just like and it's like and i can't help but feel like i mean maybe she's a bad example because like i can't help but feel like she'll be back but at the same time too you worry 
what if that was my shot, right? Like, yeah. what if that was it? What if that was my chance and I never get back there, right? And totally. Like, oh, God, I got to zoom in on the Grammys, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely that. It's that, I've been, you know, I've been watching those uh, award shows, too, and it's just like, oh, yeah, if this was your year, if this was your <sighs> year to get it, that would just be like, oh, so wah-wah. Right. <laughs> And, and, you know, and that, that same feeling with, you know, you know, like with, with, with Tetsuro's shows is that, you know, he, he, and you too, like I, you know, I always, you know, and we'll, again, we'll talk deeper into this down the line, but like, you know, you feel like interlocked to the performances that he does. You feel very interlocked to the, to the, to the projects, you know, and cause you're both really accessible after shows, you know, and, and, and you're both really like open and warm and inviting. And it's just such a lovely experience to like, you know, encounter a team that likes their audience <laughs> <laughs> and, and is it like, better than you for you know for for whatever internalized reason right and right. and uh and it's just such a it's such a treat to see both of you work because you um you seem to genuinely like being there and that really <laughs> helps you know <laughs> i mean yeah i would absolutely that this truth i thank you that's very kind of you to say or to notice or but yeah touring is our favorite thing to do yeah. and it's and we love being in different cities. And I think, um, and, and perhaps it's because I tour, well, I've toured other shows, bigger shows, but Tetsuro and I, we toured for like three years on and off yeah. all across Canada. We've been to places I'd never been before. And, um, and we often, we have our TD with us often for at least part of the tour or the producer, Donny Yamamoto, comes with us mm -hmm. here and there. Um, but for a good chunk of time, it's him and me chilling in some city that we don't know anybody. Yeah. And so, and because he's such a, uh, I want the word I want to say is character, but that's not it. It's, <laughs> he's such a personality. Um, yes. and he has also, he has a very stylized look. Yes. So he doesn't hide well in small no. town Canada. <laughs> no, not with that mustache. No. Um, and he's all, it's like so personable and he wants to talk to people so much. Yeah. And I'm just his wingman kind of, right. he, you know, and people want to talk to him. Like he's the star of the show, sure. but I go along and just sort of as this hype man on the side, I get to go for the dinners or whatever the yeah. drinks with people and just, just agree and, uh, yeah. you know, help, help the Congo go as well. But, so I've been very fortunate to like yeah. just jump on that train and right. follow it and and play along too. And yeah, it's if you're going to be visiting other cities, why wouldn't you want to talk to everybody you can there? Yes. How often do you get to uh, to do that? And yeah. especially with these shows, what I mean, I, mean, I can go on and on and for sure, about the yeah. experience of Empire of the Sun. But we were so floored by traveling to places like St. John's, Newfoundland, which mm. the absolute as far away from Vancouver as you could get in Canada almost. Yeah. And to recognize um, kindred spirits there and to mm. find people who um, understood Tetsuro's show. It's this one man show talking about him and his father's relationship as an immigrant family, a Japanese Canadian family. Yeah. Um, and you don't see many Asians at all in sure. St. John's, Newfoundland. There's maybe a, a handful that we've encountered. <laughs> sure. And, but to see, yeah, a very white audience, um, 
after the show, talk in the lobby with Tetsuro about how that story reminded them of his father, of their father, yeah. and their relationship. And you're like, you see, mm-hmm. you see, it's it's universal. And mm-hmm. um, and that we spoke about when we you saw one hour photo too, and especially these days, yes. what you know with anti Asian sentiments and the yeah. rise in anti Asian violence, and we're touring the show, which is about a, a a one man's life story. One hour photo is a follow-up to the Empire of the Sun, but it, it's about another uh, Asian man named Matthew Yamamoto and his life story mm. um, that he, you know, he had an extraordinary life, he continues to have an extraordinary life. <laughs> he's still alive. He's not, he's not gone. <laughs> um, but he, you know, he was interned during World War II. He mm. was up in the North during the Cold War, working on the D-line. He had a one-hour photo shop in the 80s. Like, he's yeah. done it all. He And... When we get to present this story, especially now, and people are like, oh, that's really cool. That reminds me, like, my dad did all these great things. Or my mom, um, my parents' love story is similar to that love story. Or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People recognize themselves in these stories. You're like, "Uh uh-huh. We are not all so, so different. And therefore, get over yourself and Mm. stop pushing people over. Yes. Uh, well, that's just it, and I think I think you know I think that you know Tetsuro's art is uh, not the like I, you know I I want to steer away from him momentarily because I want to make this interview about you. No, I like, can't. Like, but you're, you're you're interrelated with these projects, right? But it's like yeah. what's important about these kinds of projects is that they do uh, genuinely reflect that there's a lot more connecting us than disconnecting us and separating yes. us, right? And and it's important yes. to remember that, and and it feels. You know, it feels at sometimes simultaneously like enlightening and enriching and exciting. And it's like and, and they're told so beautifully and they're so honest and they're so vulnerable. And, and at the same time, too, I do sometimes feel like frustration almost because I'm like, it feels like we should fucking know that by now. Like, yeah. what the fuck? How, yeah. how do we have to keep on repeating the same simple fucking messages of like, don't be a piece of shit? <laughs> yeah, you know? just- don't be an asshole right you know like yeah but but i do want to um i do want to uh shift gears though because Mm -hmm. i want to talk about you susan um and and where i would actually like to start though uh now that we've we've technically already started sort of reminiscing about stuff but what i want to hear about is you and i our friendship and so i want to ask what is like sort of off the cuff what is your most vivid memory of our friendship well, and it better not invite it, it, it better not involve Tetsuro. Yeah. <laughs> like as soon as you said that, I was like, oh well now it's it's the opening night of the one hour photo of like a few weeks ago. But totally. I would say and I think and I and you'll have to correct me because this was years ago, and it might have been the first time I met you, but it mm. was your part Jenica, who's we know each other through Jenica. Yes. Uh, your wife. And um it was you were you were moving. You were leaving Vancouver, and we were at right. Storm Crow on Commercial Drive with a big group of peeps. Yep. And as and I and I want to say I can't remember if it was a birthday or if it was her going away. I think it was the going away. I think it was close to the same time. I can't. There remember. was both actually. I remember. Okay. I, I was a bit of a dick that night because it was our going away party, but it was somebody else's birthday, and oh, I was so like, <laughs> and I was like, you are not here for his birthday. <laughs> Oh, that was it. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought, yeah, I remember there was a birthday involved. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then that you it was sort of y'all were leaving. 
shortly. And it was uh, very sad. But let's just go to Stormcrow and have drinks and have a good time with people. And we and we rented the that was such a beautiful night. We rented the well not rent, we reserved the 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 big table in the back, right? And um and I'd always wanted to have a party at that table, but you know, because that was like that was Jenica and I's like go to place. We went like like three sometimes four nights a you week knew the staff. we knew we knew all of them they yeah. they would like they would skip us in the line we literally felt like i at times i felt like the nerd version of like uh ray liotta and goodfellas because we just sort of like walk <laughs> in and they'd be like your table sir here you are right you know it's <laughs> like and um yeah we just we loved that place and always wanted to have that big long table and finally we were like we're leaving we're doing it and uh, yeah, it, I mean, like the night was beautiful. It was incredible. All our friends came. It was so fun. And then at the same time, too, I do still feel this tiny twinge of like, oh, I just didn't need to be that much of a dick because uh, there was. Some, <laughs> I, and I don't. I, I'll be honest. And and again, this is me revealing my dickheadery. I don't actually remember who it was, but I know it was somebody's birthday, and a bunch of the guys we're like having his birthday and we're like we'll join you and we were like no you won't and yeah. so they ended up going to a different bar and sort of like back and forthing it for a while and yeah. um oh wow which is like it. fine good on them but i was just like look we're moving away like like that weekend and like yeah. and like happy birthday but ha- have a good one but like that's not what we're here for <laughs> <laughs> we got the big table right this is this is special this isn't for you baby you know but uh but uh uh, we (laughs) one of my favorite moments of that night actually involved uh uh do you remember do you know you know shiz um yeah yeah yeah. um she um she was sitting right beside me with uh her partner paul and at at the stormcrow they had these like big tankers these like what are they called like they're not yards but they're like big huge mugs you know the big like whatever they're like a fucking gallon of beer right and you could buy the mugs but they were really expensive so at the end of the night i just like down my mug and then put it in shiz's bag (gasps) (laughs) oh my god i remember that and she made made exactly that face she went oh my god james no yeah, and I was like, and and then Paul was like, "Shiz, it's too late. You can't take it out because now they'll see. Nobody saw yeah. him put it in, but they'll see you take yeah. it out. So you have to." And she was just like, oh. "And <laughs> we got up and left, and she gave me the mug. I was so mad." So do you still have it? Of course I do. It's my favorite yeah, okay. mug. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I cherish that mug. Um, but yeah, no, that was a that was a beautiful night and beautiful place. And uh, yeah, fuck. Vancouver, man, Vancouver. It's yeah. uh, we're so conflicted about it, right? Um, because it's like half of half of me is like, God, I fucking love Vancouver. God, I love the people so much. I miss that group of people so much. And then at the same time, too, it's like the quality of life that we have been able to have since yeah. moving out is exponentially better. At actually, like exponentially cheaper. You know? Yeah. Like if we were to move back it would just so radically reduce our quality of life, you know? And so it's just like, uh, do we want that for, you know? And you're not alone there. I mean, especially now, so many of our community is, Mm. are are making these thoughts, our move are gone. They've left already. Um, 
a lot of them are going sort of to the island or to the interior or yeah. even further afield as yourself. And it's just, yeah, we're bleeding. We're mm. bleeding humans out of Vancouver. And it's, mm. it's, it's, it's a hard place to, yeah, try to hold it, on. It, it feels like, and you know, I don't, you know, I've, I've made the joke more harshly in past, but it's like, it does feel sometimes like the only reason to stay in Vancouver is because it's nice wet weather, but like, <laughs> there's not really much else to it and it kind of sucks. Yeah. Right. But it's like, there's more there, but it's like, yeah. sometimes I feel like, well, if the only reason you're staying is because it's hot, like, buy a coat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> grow up, right? Well, I'd be like, yeah, it's interesting because I'm from Vancouver. Like, I was born right. and raised here, and my family's here. And so I'm not, mm. there's no way I, I'm leaving. Right. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, you couldn't pry me out of the city. But, um, or the thought is, down the road, if my mm. parents you know, pass on, hopefully, sure. for very, very, when I'm very, very old. Yes. Um, but I've, you know, this is, this is where I've, I've always been. I, you know, I've lived in a couple of places, but I've always come back here. This yeah. has been home. And so it's fascinating to me because there's so many, of course, people in the theater community who've come here from various schools, like studio, like Jenica and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, that that's a curiosity to me about people who move here and, and, because you don't have the family here, mm -hmm. you know, why would you stay? <laughs> yeah. How do you stick <laughs> you know? it out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, like my partner uh, is, is, has immigrated here from a different country and right. he is. Um, and so he fascinates me too. <laughs> this yeah. question of why, why did you come here in the first place? Why did you stay? Um, but he is very now. Yeah. In transition of Vancouver too. He, but he works across Canada. I guess he works, in different enough different cities that he feels uh, that this he doesn't spend as much time here as I do. <laughs> right. <laughs> or yeah, he did sort of before, before, before COVID. Yeah. But um yeah, so he gets his fill of different places too. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I have a great curiosity. So for when you when people leave, I'm like, mm -hmm. I get it. I get yeah. it. And I think when you first left you went to Calgary? No. We went to Calgary first, yeah. 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 We were in Calgary for about three years, I believe. Yeah. But that's not where you're from either. I'm I'm from Calgary originally, and that's oh, actually okay. what took us there. Was that my grandpa yes. let us rent the house, the the right. second house that he owned for cheap? It was actually it was crazy. It was the it was the house that he grew up in, and so it's like this old 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 heritage house, and it was right beside his. And so half of me was like, "This is really cool. I get to reconnect with my grandpa." And then half of me was like, "This is awful because I have to reconnect with my grandpa, and he's he's <laughs> always present." You know, it was like we essentially <laughs> became. In a lot of ways, we became a bit of his caretakers, right? And he was yeah. Exhausting, you know, and so yeah. Like, you know, I love him, love him to death. I'm just glad he's still. I'm glad he's still with us. At the same time, too, it was like I just was not. Yeah, just not in that place where I could be that person, right? And yeah. So, you know. Right. But uh, but yeah, we moved on. We're in Saskatoon now, and uh, and uh, <laughs> and it is what it is. <laughs> And you, there's no family there because Jenny is Winnipeg, no? Yes, like Winnipeg. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's the thing too is that where where we're at is this idea of like you know we're it it sometimes feels like we have no roots anywhere, right? Because you know, um, you know, short of my grandpa, I don't really have any family in Calgary anymore. All mm. of my like my dad and my brother and brothers and sister, they all live in Nova Scotia, where I've never lived. Like they all moved after like university kind of time period. So like yeah. I have no connection to where they live, but they're there. But it's like, I haven't lived in the same city as any of them for 20 years. So like, it doesn't feel like, you know, like, yeah, they're my family, obviously. But at the same time too, it doesn't feel that same like 
pull of like coming home the way some people have right like yeah, um, yeah. it's just that you know my blood lives somewhere <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. right you know that's just so, where they live that's just yeah live. so it's a really weird like it's a it's a weird feeling of being sort of rootless and never really knowing where to where to make it stick right yeah yeah I find, I'm, yeah, I'm fascinated by people, by yeah. y'all, who yeah. live, who just uprooted to a whole new city where you don't have family or you don't have roots or, you know, you've gone there for work or a job mm-hmm. or what have you. There's reasons. Mm-hmm. You don't just, most people don't just randomly, you know, randomly close their eyes and put their, put their finger on a map and see what happens. Um, but to, I, yeah, I mean, we're jumping ahead. That was that, I, that was my question. Right. Was, did that, you know, I suppose I was going to bring my own question to the table right was how do you cultivate deep meaningful friendships when you're an adult a yeah. is hard enough making new friends when you're an adult because you're not just in school and having like you're thrown into a class with everybody yeah um so making friendships as an adult but when you have to move to a new city and you yeah. don't have anything to start you're starting from scratch why why do we why do we why do we talk about it right now? That sounds yeah. great. Um, um we'll just we'll just flippy the two the two parts. That's great. Um yeah, you know, it's 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 simultaneously um it's easier and it's harder by being in the arts, right? Because I mm. think that I think that being in the arts sector you're you're surrounded by a community, no matter where you are, who are inherently more open inherently more empathetic inherently more curious to uh new people and new experiences and things like that um at the same time too though um in the canadian theater scene there are you know i've heard it described as like there's only really about 10 jobs in the whole country uh at any one time you know um it's 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 not yeah. hard to survive in the arts. It's impossible. And so yeah. um, what that ends up doing sort of through the domino of stress and, and you know, competition and anxiety and, and all these other things uh, is that it creates, um, it creates a lot of surface connections, but not a lot of deep friendships because you're never totally sure if you can trust someone and you're never totally yeah. sure what they're politicking to get ahead and mm. what they're where where you actually rest with them um you know there's a lot of in in especially in the communities we've moved to there's a lot of history behind people that they don't talk about until suddenly it comes out that oh this person dated this person 10 years ago and now they run this company and so they hate you because you went out for drinks with this person one time and you know like there's there's just this weird shit that that like you have no access to but are also expected to know intimately and um and so it makes for it makes for easier initial connections but much harder deep connections um yeah and then, uh, and then, yeah. And then, in terms of like, yeah, I, I and I, I almost can't speak to what it would be like outside of the arts because I don't have any experience of it, right? Um, yeah. uh, we both work in art sector, art admin, and and that weird, that weird like power dynamic of like your job doesn't actually have any authority, but but artists who don't even have a job see you somehow as authority. Um, <laughs> Do you know what I mean, right? Yeah. And so it's like they feel oddly. Sometimes they 
feels simultaneously resentful of you, but also sort of like um, they feel like you can do something for them, so they try to keep you kind of close or something like that, right? And and yeah, there's just a lot of there's a lot of duplicity in the in the in this culture, right? And there's a lot of um, uh, yeah, just a lot of uh, dishonesty, right? You know, and and which is which is so bizarre to me because it's like we're all a bunch of artists, aren't we? Isn't the whole part of point of being an artist is like being as honest as you can be and like <laughs> expressing yourself as honestly as you can be, right? You know, um, it's what I find to be such a breath of fresh air with you and with Tetsuro is that it's like what you see is feels like what you get, you know what I mean? And like when you when we when, you know obviously we had known each other and I I want to double back to this momentarily, but like seeing yes. you again in when you came with his show you know two years ago now was like such a breath of fresh air because like not only was it like so beautiful to reconnect with you but also to then meet this guy who like felt like a genuine connection and not like a what are you gonna do for me <laughs> you know um kind yeah of yeah friendship, right does that like does that is that too cynical of an answer of the question or like no i mean <laughs> what are you saying? yes can you try that again uh with right. less cynicism. thank take you take it back take it back um, be a little yeah. more positive no i mean i get like i hear all the things you're saying it's so true and it's interesting to it's an interesting perspective to think of our, our community in that way and it, it is a bit true when you to think about what the perception is of, of, of those in arts of men are. Because mm-hmm. especially now, this year, this past COVID time, exactly. arts administrators were still employed. Mm-hmm. And all artists were not. And there was a bit of a, not a backlash, but there was a conversation that started a bit about um, when in these trying times, how can arts organizations just are just holding on to their own and they, the point of them is to promote art that artists make but when the times are tough you're not supporting the artists yeah, uh, yeah so there was that sort of conversation that came in and then yeah. to know and it's interesting like yeah to, to when you, as you're talking as an arts administrator and this year i became an arts administrator right um because my job as a stage manager sort of fizzled away yeah there's nothing to stage manage right yeah and luckily my skill set lends itself to organization and to and and my personality I worked well and because I uh had a great you know Vancouver Asian Canadian theater and Donnie Yamoto who runs that company Mm. is such a promoter of people expanding their boundaries and horizons they offered to take me on as a producer and help show me the ropes of admin and producing and all of that yeah and now yeah, and that, that's opened a new debate. Um, yeah, A, it was uh, employment in scarce times, but also I found I'm not I'm not bad at this. This yeah. is, you know, I, yeah. this kind of uses my skills and it's great to be able to produce, to actually do stuff that hires people and mm-hmm. makes art, especially in these times. Well, so, we've been really conditioned as artists to believe that our skills aren't transferable and that's a yeah. 100% lie. Um one hundred percent lie. Um, in Absolutely. fact, like arts training has probably primed a generation to be better employees than any other. Oh yeah, you know, doctrine, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, but at the same time, too, you know, something you said made me think of something. Um, years ago, I was listening to a podcast talking about the perception of classes and the way that 
the 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 sort of traditional vernacular is that there's three classes, right? There's upper, middle, lower. That's all there is. That's all we can ever. But the truth of the matter is, when you look at the sort of like economic parity, there's actually like any number of of tiers in between, you know, because like yeah. what we consider lower middle class is very variable. What we consider upper middle class, what's you know, all these different things, and. What this study found was that essentially wherever you are in the sort of economic strata, you have perception of the one tier below you who you get to feel a economic superiority to. And then the one tier above you, which you get to feel an economic jealousy of. And all the tiers below, which there are many, and all the tiers above, which are many, don't even register to you and don't even exist to you, even though they fundamentally are there. And I think that that's something that is really, really reflected in the way artists interact with arts administrators because they treat them like the enemy. And in a lot of ways, some of them are, but what it ignores is that there is an entire system behind those jobs that are controlling those positions. Yeah. There's the board system. There's the the grant system. There's the way that the government even funds the grant system. Like there's so many other tiers past it that uh, an administrative position has absolutely no say in. And yeah. so it's like it's really important to hold, you know, artistic directors accountable for their behavior, but to also pretend like. Firing some guy is fixing the system is naive, yeah. you know, and 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 we're seeing it now. You know, we're a year on from a big shift in a lot of our AD ships, and yeah. what's changed? A big fat nothing, you yeah. know, because because no board behavior was addressed, no funding body was addressed, no government inter interaction was addressed, and so what hope do we have? If you know, oh, so we're just gonna hire new people in the same positions and hope for the best this time? Like, yeah. fuck that, right? Yeah, they're still gonna have to be like you. They could come in with great intention mm -hmm. and think I'm gonna change the system. It's gonna be it's, it's the new, it's the era of me. It's gonna be great. Yep. And you walk in and you're like, well, everything I want to do, I can't because of all, as you were saying, all the other tiers mm -hmm. that you are working under, and you suddenly realize that you are just as tied as your predecessor exactly and trying to fight you might get to uh, one little change here and there but it's it's too slow for other from the outsiders perceptions yeah. it's true. i had i had someone yell at me i had somebody yell at me last year about uh collecting my salary uh when i am a less than part-time employee who was actually making less than serp uh in order and i was the only employee to keep the organization running and they were saying how i was like I was this like muckety muck for having a salary. And I was like, sweet yeah. boy, first I've <laughs> learned what a fucking salary is. <laughs> and then you have to fucking like, you know, anyway. Yeah. I just yeah. always remember that one being like, Oh God, we're fucked. Aren't we? You know? <laughs> yeah. And even just, you know, having my eyes opened into the world of admin theater admin and the amount of work it takes to do one simple, easy one man show or whatever yep. it is and it's the unions and the fucking oh my gosh and the... the the time the yeah the amount of research and time and paperwork and everything that it takes to do the simplest thing and mustering re human resources and physical resources and all these yep. things and that if there's no one to do the hat all that work nothing else happens Doesn't obviously happen. so yep. it doesn't happen 
And I think people, because it's such a hidden job, mm-hmm. it's never, no, like I even working in the industry for however long as a stage manager, which is a bit of a bridge position anyway, between sure. say artists and a bit of the production side. But then beyond that is the admin side that I only touched on. And now that I've transitioned into that, realizing those, like all the work, we, no one sees, no yeah. one sees what goes on behind, unless they have to go sit in that office or write the grant or mm-hmm. uh, organize the schedule or try to make a timeline or figure out what to do next year for my season because I have 17 staff that need to get paid. You know, all yeah. of, you know, you know, yeah, exactly, all that. Right? Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's incumbent upon us. Uh, the problem is people who go into arts admin are not loud people. They yes. are generalized. You know, yeah. they're the type of people who don't want to come out at opening night receptions and shoot the shit with people. They're the ones in the back making sure that the everyone, the supplies are replenished quietly, secretly. My favorite um, job. They my don't, favorite job not, that's exactly right. My, my favorite job in the world was doing front of house management. And so it was like, while everybody is partying, that's when I'm the most important, you know, and, yes. like, and I don't want a fucking party because I'm making sure you don't throw up on stage, you know, like, <laughs> no, you can't do whippets no. in the change room, Joe. No. Oh, Joe. That Joe. Joe. <laughs> But it's so true, and that's why, and that's why it it's so misunderstood and not like not revered for what it should be. And yes. so, yeah, we need more people like you who are vocal, who are administrators, but also vocal humans, and yeah. who can promote what you do and what this team of amazing, quiet humans mm-hmm. working so hard in the background do. But it's scary, right? Um, it's scary, and it's really hard because loud people get punished. You know, like, you know, they always say the squeaky wheel gets the grease, but the squeaky wheel also gets replaced, you know. And so and this has been this has been a system that has historically uh, thrived off of getting rid of those people, you know. And and so it's really it's a hard balance, right, to to be vocal about problems. But if it's only like like if, you know, um, like I've actually hit a few walls in the last couple of years doing stuff like that, where I have tried to be as loud as I could be about problems and, but nobody else speaks up with. Right. And so it's like, if I'm the only one talking, that's an easy problem to solve. But if, if more yeah. people speak up, then, then it becomes the problem. And so it's like, yeah. I, you know, I agree with you. It's like, it's like, we do need, we need, we do need speakers, but we need collective speakers. Right. We need, we need more yeah. people being brave. Right. So. Totally. Yeah. And I don't um, know how to make that because yeah, uh, it can't just be that the administrator is talking about themselves. No one wants to you know. That's just it. exactly it. Gotta, yeah. But then other people don't really know. No. It's, yeah. It's, all rough. it's such a, it's such a weird maze because the, and then, and then there also comes into play with the sort of like that intrinsic, like Canadian attitude of like, Ooh, don't mind me. I don't want to make noise. I, I can't, I'm not allowed to have an ego. I'm not allowed to talk about myself because then I'm a problem. I don't want to be American, even though we value only American culture. But, you know, <laughs> like like the, the, the modern Canadian psyche is so like schizophrenic in a way right Mm. of like the way that we're we're forced to value things that we don't value and then shamed for valuing things that we do and like this weird 
mental gym, gymnastics routine, right? It's so hard to be us. <laughs> Direct West is a proud partner of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Are you a business owner looking for new avenues to promote your business? Direct West's digital billboards are a great opportunity to highlight a new product, new promotion, or anything else you'd like your customers to know about. You can get local, expert marketing help for your business at directwest.com. Wellness, however you define it, is achievable. You don't even need to figure it all out yourself. Talk to Connexus. They'll give you guidance, motivation, and the push you need to reach your goals. They've got you. They're your financial partner, and they know you can achieve your very best, your financial best. Prove them right. Start right at Conexus Credit Union. You know, we've, we've alluded to it uh, several times about your stage manager work and um and and obviously we're going to end the story at your you're not only still stage managing but you're also you know working in admin and you're doing all this other incredible stuff um and somewhere in the middle will be where you and i run into each other and meet um but i'm curious what what actually got you into theater? Like, where? What got you? Um, what got you interested in stage management and 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 led you down that path? Uh, such a good question. I started in theater, as many do, in school plays and whatnot, mm. and thinking and uh, thinking acting would be my jam. Mm-hmm. Um, I went after high school to Vancouver Film School and did their intensive cool. year, and I was like, "This is my yeah, acting. This is I'm gonna tell story, be a storyteller." Hell yeah! And then. Because of my personality, being a bit of an administrator, um, I was all like, I don't really want to audition. Because um, audition is the worst. That, sounds, that doesn't sound like a good time or up my alley. Uh, I'm going to go traveling. I'm going to go to university instead and get my degree. And I've all, you know, I know that was on my plate. So I went and I was like, I'll do the, the Bachelor of Performing Arts or whatever you call it, Bachelor of Fine Arts. Yeah. I'll do theater. And I think, and so, oh, yes. So the first year I went to UBC in Vancouver. And the first year you have to do a, if you're going to go into the BFA, you have to do a course that's basically work hours. You have to do 100 work hours, right. um, basically volunteering for the theater department, whether box office or ushering, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and throughout the year. And you get course credit for that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of your prerequisites to get into the uh, theater program, which is brilliance upon their part to get. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, we're paying you to work for you? Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, and then I heard a rumor. I was like, that's going to suck. There's lots of love hours to like usher. Um, and someone said, you can, you can get through all your hours in one show if you work backstage and you uh, assistant stage manage. Because that's one of the things you can do. Because yeah, assistant yeah. stage manager, anybody can do it, apparently. Uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> so... I was like, that sounds great. I'd like to just get her done. So I signed up to ASL on one of their shows and I had no idea what that meant, but the stage manager was lovely. His name was Amy. It's been years. We're talking in the 20s, years since I did this. (laughs) Um, So I did the show called The Bacchae at UBC, if any fellow fellow, uh, people remember that show, Um, at the BC Telus Studios Day. And I, yeah, I learned what ASM was and working backstage and I loved it. It yeah. was so up my alley of just 
I could like hang, be part of the company, create the show, but I didn't have to learn the lines or go on stage or be that vulnerable, but I could be backstage and helping them change and, you know, very organized and setting up the props and keeping things in order. And I'm like, Oh, this suits me. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm." Mm. And then I still auditioned for the BFA and I didn't get in. I was like, Mm. interesting, interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, my university career is going to be learning Japanese. That's and I'll did. I did my, my degrees in anthropology. And I did. Wow. And I decided I'm at university and this is, a, this is a, you know, I have to take classes. I might as well learn the language of my people. Sure. All those people. So I learned Japanese. I took anthropology. I got an honors in anthropology. Wow. And then after that, I went to Japan and lived there for two years to teach English and learn Japanese. Although when you go to Japan from Canada um, and you're there to learn Japanese and they're like, but you're there to teach English. Right. Everyone's like, oh, you are English teacher. I want to speak English with you. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I didn't learn Japanese. I just spoke English. <laughs> I went to Japan to speak English to people. I love um, so it. I, so I didn't learn Japanese as well as I planned, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so then when I came back after, it was like, okay, I'd had my fun. I should probably pick a career. Sure. Probably. But, and theater was the one thing I really, really liked. Yeah. And I remembered, like, obviously acting isn't for me. Otherwise, I would have done it by now. Um, but Hey, remember that ASM thing I did? That mm. was great. That I think there's something there. And then I decided to pursue that. And I went to studio 58 in Vancouver as a production student. And I learned how to. Is that it. where you crossed over with Jenica? Is that where you met her or were you, did you meet her later working? We met later working, but we did, we both went to studio 58, right. but not at the same time. And That's she what it might remember that differently but i'm pretty sure i'd gra- i it wasn't the same time gotcha um and if it was i had i was near the end when she came in or something right. but yeah we weren't there at the same time and then it was we worked at green thumb theater we went on a tour together right. i think that was our first i mean we knew similar people and i'd been back working at studio on different shows sure. so i've met her there i'm sure but yeah yeah well our true friendship was in a van crossing Canada. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because that's that thing, you know, this happens all the time, especially with guests on the show from from the theater world, is that, like, there's very rarely, like, the time you met. Like, more more often than not, it's like, oh, yeah, like, I know who you were because, you know, maybe I'd seen you in a show or maybe, like, you'd been at a party and somebody had mentioned, Oh, that's Susan over there, but we didn't speak or, you know, there's any number of these stories of like, Oh yeah, we, we cross paths. We, we sat beside each other at orientation or whatever. Yeah. It be, right. You yeah. know, and, and then, and then you just it's have so to be friendly because yeah, our industry is so there's people up on stage or you go see people's work. Yeah. It's not like we're all in offices doing our own thing. No. We go to see, that's the point of us is we go to see each other work. And so, yeah, there's always people you're like, I know that person. Yes. Did we work together or do I just think I know them because I've seen them, them so often at work yeah. or like, yeah, there are shows or what have you. Yeah, there's yeah. a few people like that where it's like, have we not worked together? <laughs> what? I'm pretty sure I know everything about you. Oh, well. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so that's where we ended up crossing over too because like it was you were working with Jenica on a tour and – at some point, you know, like, I mean, obviously she had mentioned my stage manager, Susan, you know, and, you know, and um, we must have just met at one of those like stopovers whenever you got to come back for a few days to Vancouver because you, you were gone for a while. That, we that tour gone, was yeah. long. It was, we were weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah. yeah. So we drove across Canada and then we went, we were in Ontario for a chunk of weeks driving around. That's right. Ontario. 
And so since coming back, you know, since since we left, um, how how did you sort of get hooked up with Tetsuro and and th- those kind of jobs that that kind of show? Uh, yeah, so I was working as a stage manager professionally for a while, and they, Vancouver Asian Canadian Theater, had were just starting out. They they've been a um, community theater for a really long time. Right. This is actually their twentieth anniversary. Wow, right. coming up like. The mount the, the like the newsletter is going to come. In, oh, I'm dropping the dropping it ahead of time, but it's going to come out this month. That it's cool. our twentieth anniversary. Um, and so I had worked for them while I was still a stu- as a student. I think I, you know, a friend of a friend or somebody had mentioned me, and they needed a stage manager. So I did one of their like community theater shows. Mm-hmm. I did a couple of those, and so I'd known backed for a while, but just as this like, yeah bunch of Asians putting on a play like it, it was it was just like a yeah because like the cast was like a doctor and an engineer like they were they weren't professional sure. they, were, they were doing other things but I loved theater yeah yeah um and and some actual theater folk too but you know they weren't uh, all professional theaters yeah, anyway yeah. so the company itself had recently just kind of transitioned into a fully professional company and I got a call or an email I can't you know a page, whatever it was back then, <laughs> about, um, at, you know, hey, we, we'd love to talk to you about this show. And I met with them in their old offices, which was sort of like just one room up in Victoria Drive, like very small office. I met with Donna Yamamoto and Tetsuro Shikamatsu, and Donna had said that she got her my name from her partner, Gerald King, who was the lighting designer. Right. And because I've worked with Gerald on, on something else or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Your name's going to get passed around. Yeah, the old band and, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I needed a stage manager, and if I, they told me about what the show was, they were still writing it, Empire of the Sun, and what it was planning to be about, and then it was about his dad and his relationship, and as a Japanese man, and I was, I remember telling them, oh, like that, this, it was a show you hadn't seen before, in that mm. it was rare to see a show about a Japanese anybody. Sure. Um, especially about a father-son relationship, about an immigrant relationship. Yeah. And I was just excited, A, that there was Japanese content. Um, and then just talking to Tetsuro about his relationship with his father reminded me a lot of my relationship with my father. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like, oh, my God. I got very excited about the show, just them talking about it. And they got excited that I got excited that their yeah, stage yeah. manager, who really, you know, mostly, although I have great argument against it, but often, often isn't thought of as a creative, uh, you know, element yeah. into in creation. Sometimes but they're the, the they, yeah. yeah, but that they got excited that their stage manager was so excited about the story and the and the content and um, anyway, it was just a it was a match made in heaven. It just obviously was we all got along really well. Yeah, and yeah, and th- that was a year before the show even went into rehearsal. Like Johnny Animoto was one to like she just jumps on it. Like she gets yeah. her ducks in in the in the row. She's, well she's ahead what of I time. call a doer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That's in the dictionary. Open it up. Oh, it's Donna the doer. That's absolutely who she is. She just gets done. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she's like, I'm going to make a play in two years. We'll probably need a stage manager eventually. I'm going to call one up right now and yeah. get them booked in. And yeah. Gotta be ready. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, that's how I got hooked up with that show. Beautiful. And then. We built, yeah, we worked on it. We built it. We put it up. We and again, we didn't know what it was going to be because it. Mm. Tetsuro had all these. If we're going back to Tetsuro, but it's all it, he has all these random stories, 
And his dramaturg and him were working very hard, along with Richard Wolf, who was the director, to put them in a certain order, to tell, to have an arc, to tell a story. Yeah. And it was coming up, and we didn't. Yeah. Again, you don't know. Is this? Are people going to get this? Is it going to yeah. make sense? Is it going to be too jumbled for people? Are people going to get into a, a story about a, a, you know, this father-son relationship? Um, and then it sold out before we opened because right. Donnie Yamamoto, the doer, absolutely got on it, and and then it had such a great response because it was yeah. a good show, and it got and then we got to tour it and everything like that. So it was. I, I often say it's one of those. It was. It's been a gift that keeps on giving because mm. that odd email or page or whatever I got from Donna that started this journey that was in 2000 I think I well we started 2015 so I probably it was 2014 when I got wow. that email because the first iteration of Empire of the Sun was 2015 in the fall yeah. and what what year is it now 2021 2021 <laughs> six, six years yeah. of of touring that show and working that show we and now we're doing his other show mm -hmm. there was another show uh, he wrote that we that Rack did a couple of years ago that i stage managed mm -hmm. yeah it's it's one of those like you never knew i didn't had we had no idea that that little anything little meeting was gonna go this far but you know that's 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 how it works right and and this is yeah. something that i this is something i think a lot about when it comes to creative output and creative you know just creativity in general is that like i know a lot of people myself included uh quite often default to um what's gonna sell right like what's gonna what's yeah. popular follow a trend follow a this that you know like uh jump on the next tiktok trend or whatever it's gonna be right you know and yeah. and that inevitably um fails because people yeah people smell bullshit really easily like it's not hard to smell bullshit you know um and when you but when you start at the baseline of like curiosity and passion to just say something and and that beautiful that beautiful miracle and that beautiful honor of making something that didn't exist before and and you know you sit down and you make a thing and then afterwards it exists now right and like and like what an incredible little miracle that is and if you if you approach it from that attitude first then then everything else is a, you know is a treat and and it's yeah. and you don't you're not like um you're not gripping the stick as tightly right because you don't need to prove something because you're you're just doing it because you like it right yeah and you have to because also as you're saying it's like if you try to jump on a trend you're too late yes by the time especially with theater like because you have to write the show you have to produce, it takes a couple years to years. do to put on a, a yeah like Tetsuro shows work in kind of two-year cycles by the time yeah. he starts creating it to the time it's on the stage. And so I, like, I, it's a terrible thing because it's not a trend, but the, you know, the current anti-Asian um, sentiments and violence that's happening mm -hmm. in the world just happened to coincide with of when course. we're touring One Hour Photo, which we built in 2016-17. Like yeah. yeah. And we just happened to, we're going to tour it this year. COVID hit, we made it into a virtual thing. Yeah. And then all like it anyway, it we you can't you can't create for a trend or you can't create for what's current now really. Because yeah. it's it's gonna fade away. It'll be different Big by the time it's on the stage. So you have Most to create exactly from what your passion is now. Yeah. Like what uh did in yeah, don't create for the 
exercise for the trans in the world. <laughs> well, I and I think that. too. Well, I think too that we mistake. Um, I think we inadvertently mix up platforms, and and so we we apply Instagram attitude to theater, or yeah. we apply uh, movie attitude to novels or whatever it might be right and it's like no you have to apply theater attitude to theater and theater needs xyz and yeah. tiktok needs you know <laughs> yza you know what i mean like it's like they don't they don't cross over and so um people need to recognize like okay if if you're gonna make a play it has to be able to be a play it can't be a movie that you want to be a movie but you can only make a play so you make it a play like it's gotta have yeah. to, it has to be a play and if it well, can be a movie it should be a movie instead you know yeah because that's a lot of sort of new works you were for a while there and yes. maybe i mean because now it's who knows what's happening in the world what, what's going to come out when we come back yeah. but it was a lot of people were writing 20 plus scenes 50 different locations and you're like you know what this story could have been told in one a one yeah. room exactly. uh, set. We don't need to cut every five seconds. Like, yeah, it was written. They were very much written. Like, a lot of new work was written very much like a film yeah. mentality. And you're like, that's, uh, you know, it's a just, that's just, then film it. Yeah. And like, you know? that's cool. Like, you didn't do anything wrong, no. you know, but like, go make a movie. Don't make a play yeah. because you don't, you clearly don't want to make a play. And if, and if yeah. what you do, if, if you, what you want to make is a play, then you have to, you have to, you know, um, I think that it also stems from this idea of like uh, only good work is innovative, pushing the boundary, you know, like, you know, like, yeah. like everybody has to be the best thing ever and everybody has to be constantly, you know, re reinventing what theater means, man. And it's like, no, like, cause if, if, if all you're doing is like forcing and imposing new rules onto it, like you're not actually, following the old ones and so you're just yeah. making a mess right <laughs> yeah you're just making a big pile of garbage yeah yep. no it's yep. true you know we've talked a lot about um you know staying connected the way we've been able to right whether it's these digital openings whether it's you doing these digital tours and 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 um and the the you know, it's clearly not good timing. Where it's not, it's not a good thing that your play is coming out at the same time as right. all this violence and and this hate. You know, this 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 awful awful shit. Um, at the same time, too, they they are interrelated, right? And they are intermixed, and they're and they do reflect on each other. And um, that said, you know that that connected to like the idea of this show is like what does it even mean to be a friend right it, when when we when we open up social media and, and we're just bombarded with these messages of hate and fear and and alienation and loneliness and um and it's just non-stop right it's just non-fucking stop to just keep us scared and tired and alone um and so you know i'm really asking myself with the show like what does it mean to be a friend and how can I be a better friend? Um, and so, yeah, I'd like to put it to you with, you know, with, with your experience of the last year and a half, um, what does it mean to you to be a friend? And then as a little add on as well, what do you think it's going to take to be a friend? You know, we're already almost halfway through 21. What do you think it takes to be a good friend 
in 2021 and then moving forward? I mean, such, such big questions and good questions to ask. And I, you know, when I, I don't know if I'm letting the cat out of the bag, but you sent that question ahead of time just so I can look at it yeah. and think about it. And I, and you, you know, the, I, of course, when you're, what's a good friend? Loyalty and like listening and, yeah. you know, the, the dictionary definition, but it's true. Like those are, it, it is, it's, it's being not like listening without judgment. I think being there as a sounding board, giving advice if, if asked and, um, being there to, as a support or, uh, yeah, just somebody to talk to yeah. and have a good, and have a laugh with, and someone who will, who gets, someone who you feel gets you because they laugh at the same things or like the stupid jokes that nobody else <laughs> like knows what you're talking about. Yeah. They are polite enough to just giggle along or whatever it is. <laughs> um, so, and then looking forward, what I recognize too, which odd when you just brought that up and I kind of, thought about what we were talking about this t- in this hour um it's to be a better friend or to be a friend in these times when you don't just run into each other and and catch up fast mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who you don't know how they're doing unless they show you like what you're just saying with instagram why sh- you know whatever i put on facebook is what people know about me now because yes. they don't see me all the time whatever i decide to put on instagram they that's where you know they see that i was working on the show or whatever it was or i was walking by this cool flower i don't know what it was whatever sure. you put up and so i think being a true friend is going is is sort of going beyond the picture the cover of the book sort of thing that yeah, they yeah, yeah. put up and um, without being intrusive, but seeing if there's something uh, beyond that, that they, your, your people might want to share. Cause I think people only share, you know, you, you have to dig a bit mm-hmm. and let, but you know, obviously without being rude and intrusive, if they don't want to share, they'll, they'll tell you, I yeah. hope if they're your friend. Um, and it kind of, it brought me back to what we were talking about with administrators. It's yeah. like, they don't tell you someone has to go in there and ask what you're doing. Like how, what do you do? Yes. You know, cause no one's, they're not going to tell you, no one's going to advertise it or put it on a banner or make a Facebook post about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think being a better friend moving forward is taking the time. To, it's almost like a cliche, but taking the time to call somebody up and yeah. ask them and not just ask them how they're doing. But I think it, it, it has to go beyond that. And like, I know in these times when we don't see each other, but you learn about people when you, not just asking them like, you know, James, tell me, how are you doing? What's yeah. what's going on with you? Like, you don't need to have the deep conversations, yes. but it's like showing them a funny cat meme or whatever, which yeah. I would never do because I'm not a cat person, but um, <laughs> showing them a funny, like, I don't know, person falling meme. That's me. Yeah. People falling yeah, down yeah. and laughing about it together, which then it's like this conversation. We started somewhere and it grows and it grows and grows and grows. Mm-hmm. And then you then you unveil those layers. And, and yes. I think t- it's t- it's taking the time to do it. Because, yeah, yeah, in an hour, think of how many things we've just talked about. We had to take the t- hour time to do it. That, that's spot on. And I think this idea of, like, you know, um, 
I, I have to really clock myself a lot with my language about like have to and stuff like that, right? Because I think that that applies a type of pressure that, that gets internalized with like, well, if I don't do it, then that means I'm a bad friend and now I'm ashamed of myself. But like, I think what we forget is that it's like, it feels, it feels good to be curious, right? It feels good. It's really nice to be curious and it's really nice to be engaged. And I think this last year has been, I mean, it's been fundamentally exhausting, right? Like, of course it has been. It's been it's been one of the worst years of most people's lives, and um, and so it feels like that's work to be mildly engaged. Um, and yet, I find for myself personally, when I do engage myself, um, it, it, I feel so nourished, and I feel so energized, and I feel so excited by it right and 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 I, I think the other yeah i think you're so spot on about like you don't call up somebody you haven't spoken to in six months and say how's your trauma today yeah. <laughs> you know like no that's not what you do of course that's not what you do but no. like at the same time too you don't have to start with how's the weather there is a middle ground as long as like you're uh if as long as you have the energy and the inclination to be engaged and to be curious you can then open open up the dialogue to then see where it leads right like you don't you know uh, i think another part that that makes me think of is like not coming with um motives right like uh not coming mm -hmm. with like a, an intention like just if you're going to come with any intention just come with like i want to be nice don't come with like I'm going to get Susan to talk about her trauma today. You know, right? Like, <laughs> you know, because that doesn't yeah. help anybody, you know, like. No. And it's, and I think what you've done beautifully here too, is this idea of that you get more connection if you are curious to yeah. somebody else as well, you know, like this it's about asking questions. Oh, that, you know, I just got a, a vibe. I went to dinner with my sister years ago. We were traveling yeah. together and she was like, you are the worst. You, you don't ask me any questions at, at dinner. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, you're kind of right. You were asking, you were leading the conversation. You were asking the question, you know, pulling teeth. As you, sure. And you're like, it doesn't take much to just ask a few questions back to be yep. curious, to wonder. And it, yeah, it's so I, that was a lesson she taught me of like, just mm. be cognizant of, reciprocal questions like don't yeah. be the only person to do it and to be yeah to yeah like open your eyes what would you like to know about the other person yes yeah and you can ask you can ask people are like people don't have to be an open book to be honest right like they don't have to be living their life on their sleeve to also be willing to talk about stuff you just have to know yeah. how to approach it with curiosity and honesty right and you know, I, I, and that actually really sparked a thought I meant to say way, 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 way back is in this idea of like when we're talking about like administrators and and how uncurious people seem to be about those jobs is like um, this idea of like someone else's success takes nothing away from you. You're not losing anything by someone else succeeding in the world, you yeah. know, like that we we're really falling victim to this attitude of um, competition, right? That art is somehow a competition. And if you get something that I didn't get it and that makes you my enemy and it's like, yeah. no, fuck that. Like, it just means you got something and that's amazing. And and it, and it and in fact, it's my duty as a member of the same community to build you up and celebrate yeah. you for doing that because 
when something good does come my way, you'll be happy to do the same for me, you know? Um, and, and not, like, not expected. It's not one of those, like, you know, you shouldn't be giving a gift with the expectation of getting a gift back, but you should be doing it because it feels good to give a gift, right? Yeah. And, and this is, I feel like this is all interrelated of, like, you know, be curious, be engaged, and be happy for your friends. Like, just yeah. be happy for them. It's not a bad thing that somebody is doing good, you yeah. know? Like, no. what are you losing, right? Yeah. And it'll be interesting when things start coming back because of this, mm. we're, like we've always been in this state of scarcity Yes. in the arts. And this year has been even more so. Bad There's been it. like from 10 jobs, there was maybe two exactly. <laughs> in the whole year for, for all of us to do. Yeah. Um, and so when things start coming back again, I, I, I worry that it'll be a bit of that. Who's going to get the first jobs? Who's going to start getting, you know, your first offers coming out. Yeah. Who's going to get to do the first show that gets an audience like that sort of, and you cannot help it. Like, yeah. Do I want to stage manage like a, a, the, one of the first shows that come out? Yeah. I want to, yeah. I want an audience. I want to do that. Yeah. But yeah, it's what it's, as you're saying, it's this idea of like, you know what? The fact that anyone gets to put on a show is sweet business. And that yep. is, that has to be celebrated. I, and regardless of who, who gets to run that show, I want to be in that audience yeah. and standing on my feet, clapping. Exactly. Too. And that's, yeah, just to try to remember that. Yeah. As, as yeah. it builds on. That, yes. Yeah. You know, Susan, um, we have to, we're, we're on our la very last thing that we have to do. I have to pull up your Facebook, but you know, before I do, like, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you are, you are fabulous. Like you are just such a, you are just such a, a phenomenal person and you're just such a phenomenal energy. And, um, you know, um, I was really lucky to have been your friend back in Vancouver, but I feel even luckier to have continued to be your friend in the work that you've continued to do and to get to see you, um, you know, did like I, that two weeks or whatever it was when you were in town a couple of years ago was one of the best two weeks of my like entire time in Saskatoon. We had good and, times. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I just like, um, you're such a, you just have such, such a beautiful energy to yourself and the way you carry yourself in the world is just incredible. And I, I, I love the work you do and I love the work you engage in. And I just like, I'm so thankful for you and I'm so thankful for everything that you do. And I'm so thankful you are my friend. Oh, so. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. You get me at the end. You get me at the end of the of the thing. You're about like, and now I'm going to defriend you. So, so, so much, so much emotion. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that. That I can't. I'm speechless of that, and I feel this very similar, very same. And I'm so sad that we couldn't actually like hang out in this tour this time. And I can't wait to do it again. And exactly, yeah, like you and Jenica and just like the fun times that we got to have in yeah. of right? all places, of all places just to find us all there like that's what? where we ended up like <laughs> you know and you know the storm crow here is closed down but there's another uh, one near my head like they moved there's right. a second one that's it's right waiting for you yeah I've been dreaming of that second place that big the big because it's a big one it's like a big it's, a big it's like a big yeah. bro bar though I thought it was like a big like kind of like a douche bro bar I mean, uh -huh. it depends. Depends who you who who you go with, but yeah, right, right, right. It, no, what it, it definitely is a different vibe than the commercial drive. Yeah, yeah. Vibe. But yeah, we will. I've been yeah, I've been dying to get out there. Literally, I have wanted to take a trip to Vancouver just to go to that storm grove. <laughs> so. And you know, if we're lucky, maybe we'll cross paths too. But uh, you yeah. Know. <laughs> 
But uh, but Susan, we got one last thing to do before we got before right. we wrap up. So here we go. <gasps> Susan Miyagashima, here we go. We are no longer Facebook friends. See ya. And that's it. Thank you once more to Susan for coming on the show. I just adore her so much. And thank you for listening all the way to the end. You're incredible. You're such a good friend. If you like the show, let your friends know. Share the links, tell the world about Friendless, and make sure everyone knows all about your favorite podcast, which is Raised by the Movies, my other show that I run with my wife, Jenica, which you should check out in the show notes below. <laughs> Be sure to follow me on all the social media platforms at FriendlessPod, or feel free to shoot me an email with your thoughts on the show, friendlesspod at gmail.com. But that's it for me. I'm keeping it brief this week. I've had a really, really down, down week, and I'm running real low on energy, so I'm just going to pack it in, but not without saying thank you once more for listening, and I hope I catch you here again next week with another episode of Friendless. But you know what? Let's not worry about that, because that is then... And this is now. So for now, I'll just say I love you. And I hope you have the best week possible. Fun and safety, y'all. Yeah, let's ride out on this song together. And the song always makes me really sad, but I really like it. Okay, it's winding down here. Oh, but it's going to come back. <laughs> <laughs>